0: all right welcome back to another interview for artificial ignorance Uh, today i'm talking with harrison tellion who's co-founder of numi which is a design agency or design subscription rather for for startups looking uh to partner um you know with a community a guild of experienced designers um, and really kind of provide uh all, all of their design needs right um Harrison, you know, addition to being a, a Y Combinator alum, he graduated from RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design, uh, and was, you know, the first designer at Imager, where he played a really pivotal role in, you know, helping design and scale the platform to 330 million monthly active users. Um, so he brings, at this point, over a decade of experience to the tech industry and. I'm really excited to, to talk about kind of the role that AI is, is playing in design, um, but also, you know, honestly, kind of the landscape that, that you and Numi are seeing um, when it comes to, you know, you get to see many more startups, I think, than the, than the average person outside of a, a venture capitalist. Um, and so I think how the, the landscape is, is shifting, right? But um, I guess, why don't we start with, you know, a little bit about, um, about you and about kind of Numi for, for folks that might not be familiar
1: yeah sure well dude charlie thanks for having me on like i love the newsletter i think it's hysterical uh, and like super informative and i look forward to it all the time um so a little about uh numi yeah we're basically your startup's design department so they are uh eager entrepreneurial designers uh all vetted by yours truly um and uh, we fully embed them on your team uh, so you can hit your goals uh so sometimes it's uh small startups uh other times it is large enterprises that are already ipo'd um so we are really really fortunate to work with some of like the 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 world's best founders they're all like triple a high octane um and in return they get uh, AAA triple a high octane designers (laughs) so um a little about myself Um, i mean i think you like nailed the synopsis on the head i also feel like tremendously awkward talking about myself but in short i'm just i'm just a designer you know and i'm really really interested in just um helping out other founders get started off on the right foot when it comes to design.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I mean, what I found with talking about yourself, uh, chat GPT helps a lot. Just throw, throw your, your LinkedIn <laughs> in there and, and have it right. Oh, sure. For you.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just to add like, I guess a little color is like, um, I've always been really, really interested in, um, design systems. Um, and so a lot of the work that I that I did in uh, the Bay area with some, uh, fintechs and some other companies, um, was really centered around design systems. Um, uh, and then like, um, tangentially really interested in like onboarding retention, some guerrilla marketing tactics. Um, and, uh, m- the headliner though, to, to, to like how I see design is design, it can be leveraged for profitability. Design can definitely help you grow uh, to find PMF faster than you might think. And design can lead to the ultimate gold standard metric, uh, net operating income positive.
0: That's a good, that's a good headline. Can you, can you expand on that a little bit? Are there anything, is there anything unintuitive that you found when it comes to how, how design can impact, you know, product market fit and, and really improving
1: that bottom line? Yeah. Like, um, you know, oftentimes when I'm talking to founders, I'll, I'll talk to like, and you're right. Like I do have like this, like this insane, uh, I'm very, very blessed to be able to talk to as many founders as I do a day. Like it's probably like, uh, eight to 10 founders a day. And, um, time and time again, I always see like the same kind of hiccups, which are more or less centered around, like, I want to focus on branding before I've earned it and uh i want to um push a product without talking to customers and um you know i try my very hardest just to like hop on these calls um and really try to understand what their design challenges are but you know sometimes numi doesn't even fit into that solution right a lot of the times actually i'll i'll end up telling a a founder like hey it would be unethical for me to take your money. Like you need to actually (laughs) (laughs) go into Figma and like try some shit out yourself. And then, uh, uh, better yet, like you should be talking to like 10 customers every single week, uh, until you IPO. Um, that's really like the skinny of it. So in terms of like unintuitiveness, I think, uh, I see, I definitely see like, um, founders not, they just lean on their hunches too much. You know, oftentimes like, you know, I think uh, we'll find that founders get so into the weeds um, with like their hunches or their original uh, data that inspired the company that they're creating. Oftentimes what ends up happening is you'll get to a, a milestone when building, you'll plateau and then all the things that you were gonna get to have already become normalized. So your traffic then begins to slow down. You're like, what is going on? Well, dude, just go talk to your customers and you'll find out. And that should not be confused with, um, you know, having your Slack or your Discord open for feedback. You know, customer research and observation is very different from pushing out a feature and saying like, hey, what do you think? You're not gonna get any feedback that way. And another un- unintuitive thing that I see a lot in uh, founders is uh, how unwilling, uh, or maybe like, maybe not even unwilling, but they have forgotten to actually start the business at some point. So like, I always recommend chop up your customers in half and, uh, start charging them. And you will see very quickly, uh, the type of feedback that you'll get when you try to separate someone from their money. <laughs> you know, that's when the real feedback comes back.
0: <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah. I think the, uh. You know, especially I think because a lot of founders, especially the ones, the technical ones, right, are, mm-hmm. are focused on, you know, I want to create something great, right, and less mm-hmm. less about like, how do I find a business model? That's great. Right. Um, and, yeah. you know, that's, that's to me, I think, like what, like, to your point about that's what separates, you know, the the this is cool, this is really interesting versus like, I want you to take my money.
1: Yeah, you'd be shocked at like, how differently you run your business when you assume that you're never getting funding again. Even if you are going to get funding again, just operate it as if you're never going to. And then even if you do have cash, split that sucker in half and put it in a different bank account and then only operate based off the money that you have, you know, like in that one bank account, (laughs) you know, suddenly every move becomes more valuable, and more thoughtful.
0: Are there there lessons that you and your co-founder have drawn from the history of Numi. so my understanding correct me if i'm wrong but is that it, it did not start out as as this you know design oriented company right you, you guys went through actually a fair number of, of pivots in in very different areas to get here
1: oh yes and go figure like you know pressing fast forward like you lean into your core competency us being designers and you can build a business out of it um uh, but yeah before that we had spent four years in uh nairobi kenya africa and uh, we had the pleasure of starting up a couple businesses. The first was in um, medicine, like building medicine software. That didn't really go anywhere. Got, got a lot of like cool experience, but that didn't really go anywhere. The second was CPG. That kind of turned into something that we didn't see coming, which is like the Instacart of Africa. So it was really like uh, wholesale CPG for... Uh, restaurants. But then they started ordering things like deodorant and toothpaste. And we're like, okay, well, if you're doing that, like, <laughs> we're just going to turn the switch on to all 54,000 items in Carrefour. Um, and suddenly, yeah, it, it scaled to like crazy heights. But ultimately, we had to, you know, uh, wind it down, let go of like, you know, 400 people, um, because the unit economics just did not work out for the boda boda riders what they call the motorcycle riders that deliver the food his everyone during the covid times um wanted everything delivered on time and online so naturally the motorcycle riders prices quadrupled <laughs> so that was already baked in and it very quickly tanked our company um but you know we learned a lot of lessons about scale and how to hit profitability and really like what we took away from kenya was how to be quite shrewd um, along with like how to actually navigate cash conversion cycles um, and, you know, manage, manage growth in a way where we can grow off our own balance sheet. I'm condensing a lot, but yeah. like um, <laughs> those, those are the main bullet
0: points. So just to make sure I'm getting that right. Essentially you were charging your users a fixed, a flat rate for, these deliveries which worked up until demand for deliveries spiked so much that that the cost of the drivers just quadrupled
1: more or less yeah the flat rate came in the form of like a, just a flat service fee um mm-hmm. and then there were some other tactics that we use where like you know if someone searched uh if someone's just like testing our, our app for the very first time they're going to enter things like milk bread the essentials um what we found is a strategy that worked like pretty well is um changing the price of like the zucchini toothpaste, <laughs> like these are like rogue items, you know, and like tacking on like 20, 30% and, uh, no one's checking that. No one's checking those like, you know, kind of like odd objects, uh, or like mm-hmm. odd, like, uh, yeah, things at the store. So we made sure that like all of our essentials were, you know, very competitive, uh, fair priced. And then, um, everything else was, uh, it just like escalated. Like the more the more niche it was, the higher markup we would take.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, I mean, that certainly sounds like uh, a wild ride, especially I think to be operating that during during the pandemic.
1: So it, was, it wasn't like during the pandemic. It was just at the start of it, and um, you know there was, it was crazy, man. Like we we went to we went to such great heights, like we so Carrefour, this like this uh the the largest supermarket in the world uh is they have a pretty big presence out there in jumea which is more or less like the amazon of africa um they had partnered with them and so we went up to Carrefour and we're like hey we can do a way better job than uh these jumea guys and they're like sure yeah okay but like you know we're already in bed with them and like we're like okay let's just prove it so like in the in the spirit of like doing things that are like Definitely do not scale. We basically sent in these incognito shoppers um, into Carrefour and we exported the U.S. financial system uh, using like PEX cards. So like everyone had uh, a debit card linked to one account in the States and we would uh, spend an exorbitant amount every single day. So much so that like the financial controller reached out to us and was like, okay, we hear you. You became five times bigger than uh, Jumia, a publicly listed company on the New York Stock Exchange. We get it. Um, But by that time, when things were coming into fruition, like, you know, COVID had already hit and we're like looking at plane tickets home. So, you know, it was was a cool story. Um, Like definitely, definitely a lot of like therapy sessions as well tied to that time there. But (laughs) overall, it was, uh, yeah, it it was a good learning experience, really good learning experience.
0: Okay. Um, and so now you're bringing, you know, yeah, a lot of those, a lot of those hard won lessons, you know, back to, back to startups and, uh, in the form of design and, uh, design services.
1: Yeah. I think like a lot of founders are, are attracted to us because we also, you know, we also offer like office hours, um, you know, with myself, with Hannah, our head of customer success and, you know, green, my co-founder and hopefully like That's just still in the same vein of like do things that don't scale, but we just have so much opinionation around how a startup should actually be started up Um, along with like, you know, back end office ops, um, you know, under, you know, under the veil of design, right? Like what's beautiful is design touches more or less like every aspect of your company. Um, And, you know, I almost viewed RISD as like this undercover uh, business school. You know, because it really just teaches you how to approach any single problem uh, in, a, in, a, in quite a different way than other, other disciplines might.
0: You mentioned you're, you're meeting with like eight to 10 founders a day. Um, what is, you know, I alluded to this earlier, what does the landscape look like in terms of how many of these companies? Well, two questions. One, how many of these companies are, you know, working in AI and how many of these AI companies have pivoted from crypto?
1: wow very funny question okay so i can't immediately answer the first one without thinking or the second one without thinking about a little bit more so i'll think about that while i'm answering this but the uh the amount of ai companies that i meet with is pretty absurd like it is probably close to 75 percent. i would say wow yeah yeah and you know a lot of them a lot of them um are typically like rapper-esque you know, mm-hmm. just like they're they're kind of like you know vaporish, uh, but they have some novelty in the sense of like that one crucial part that they've changed. They're experts in, and so you look at you look at like those types of companies, and you immediately you know disqualify them. But then you look at companies like Jasper.ai and they're still around. Why? It's because they do prompting really, really well for their, their, um, their ideal customer. So who am I to judge (laughs) and I'm sure, yeah.
0: What's it? So you're, you're ultimately bullish on, or rather just, just not immediately dismissive of like chat GPT rapper companies is the takeaway.
1: I'm not immediately dismissive because I've seen, I've seen, you know, The best thing to do is just bet on the founder. So if I was going to take a bet, it's going to be you know on the founder versus the company they created. Like, I just look at our story. Like, imagine if, <laughs> you know, like what a terrible bet, <laughs> you know, in most of our pivots. <laughs> but here we are, profitable company growing at a crazy clip.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And so, what about the what about the follow up question? How many of these are coming out of? Out of crypto and, and Web three.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that. Um,
0: or I guess I guess rather than have rather than have the companies themselves pivoted, have you seen a shift in volume? Like like two years ago, was it you know a shift huge of volume, amount yes. of of Web three, right? And now that's kind yeah. of died down.
1: Yeah, like a year a year ago, we were working with a handful of exchanges. Uh, we were working with a lot of DAOs. Um, we were working with like some NFT marketplaces, and then wow, did that clear out? I mean, like almost almost everyone just like cleared out, except for maybe like one or two of uh, the exchanges that we were working with. And that and like a, a DAO, like Orange DAO, is still around very much. Um, you know, Vellum Exchange is very much still around. Um, but you know, it was. was quite dramatic some of these other players in the space watching them have to really just like shut down shop because you know as a vendor we're one of the first people they reach out to Mm -hmm. and so like you know it's it's very much like a bellwether so as soon as um you know their cfo or something is like hey you know cut 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 we have like a storm coming you know we get cut and then um you know the you know, NBC is like making a headline around like the economy, you know, turning to shit or something. So, um, yeah, huge, huge departure away from that space. But, you know, it's funny now that I'm actually like saying this stuff out loud, like I have just in the past week spoken to one exchange and one of our clients actually is like, uh, doubling down on, um, on their, on their crypto service. Yeah. So,
0: okay. yeah. And with with the with the AI companies, you know, what um, I guess, like, let's take a step back for a second, right? And and talk about um, how are you seeing AI impact the design space, right? Independent mm-hmm. of, of these companies, right? Like, um, how are you seeing? There's there's so much tooling out there right now to you know we, we have these the way i see it is like we have these like engines of creativity right like now somebody like me who's never who's never illustrated anything like aesthetically pleasing in his life right can <laughs> can create this um this beautiful you know image from scratch and um but these 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 tools are so unrefined right and and there's yeah there's a, i assume there's a very long way between i can make a beautiful like you know photo or photorealistic image versus like, what am I actually doing as a designer and how am I incorporating these tools?
1: I think everyone's just waiting for AGI, right? Like, you know, (laughs) if you, if you, if you look at like a lot, yeah, like a lot of, a lot of our customers uh, will end up like screen sharing and they'll say like, um, I made this with GPT or like Dolly or something or like UIizard or butter or you know, one of these other, or like framer, framers, like, you know, prompting site, they're all terrible. Um, But you know, the, 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 that's, that's not really a good way to look at it. Right. Because the other, the other way to look at it is okay. Well, they're first to market. Okay. Like they are uh, in the process of building and collecting information, refining and optimizing the pro the real problem that I see though, is none of these companies have design leaders working behind their their prompting or their code. And so naturally they're capped. Mm. Um, You know, certainly Numi has, you know, AI moves that we're working on that we're keeping kind of close to our chest. Um, But, you know, I'm looking at the landscape and I'm quite bullish on how AI is going to serve the design community. It's really, really easy for a designer, And we hear all the time from, from guild members, uh, at NUMI, like is, is AI going to replace me? No, it's just going to allow you to do work faster, more efficiently. And like, you know, it's going to take away all like the, the kind of like rote administrative stuff of design. Like it's really, it's really like quite fascinating how well you know, even GPT-4 can pick up on colors, composition, style. Okay, well, like, how does that actually translate into, you know, sales? Well, for us, maybe it's something where a client comes on and when they're onboarding, they share some mood boards with us and we're able to assess that and put it into a brief for the designer. You know, there's there's all these different ways that you can, have AI be part of the connected tissue that is the design process. I don't think that companies like Framer or UIizard or some of these other prompt to site businesses are very good, um, but certainly I'm not dismissing them. I I have them all open on, you know, tabs. I'm checking them every you know every once in a while, um, but. You know, I dude, man, I come across so many AI tools, um, and we have all of them documented. I probably, I, I probably uh, can can make a safe bet that Numi has the the biggest like repository of resources um, within our designer manual. Um, just given to our designers, probably about sixty of them are like AI focused or backed. Wow, you know if that gives you any any indication
0: I want to I want to dive a little bit deeper into that so um, you know you mentioned uh, the question of like will AI replace the designer right Um, Mm -hmm. and if I am a like if I am somebody who who I'm a freshman at RISD right and I am staring Mm -hmm. down this tidal wave of AI and, and I see people saying like oh man like yeah graphic designers like good luck right like pick a different career right um, what would you tell me as that, as that freshman year student about thinking about in the next five, ten years of, of design?
1: Graphic design is a bit different from product design. The, the graphic designer, I would say, um, I wouldn't say this to them, but it is a little bit more grim. But I would say, like, you know, don't let that discourage you really for like graphic designers, more visual designers, when they're dealing in terms of weight, composition, golden ratios, color, choreography of elements, that type of thing. That's graphic design. You know, AI is not terribly good at that stuff. Um, and it really just all comes down to model training. And lo and behold, uh, Most AI models are made by engineers that are not really into design. (laughs) And so like the training is naturally not very good. It's not very pedigreed, right? So um, don't worry, graphic designer, like you're all set for for a while. Um, But, you know, even GPT-4, we don't actually understand at the crux of it how it's actually computing. So it may very well lead into AGI that overnight just kind of like, takes graphic design's role and understands composition, understands line weight, understands all these like elements that make up that discipline. For product design, it's very clear, or at least it's it's much clearer. For product design, and by the way, this is just one man's opinion, Um, but like for product design, there are like soft parts of, soft parts and hard parts of product design. For the soft parts, it is, more graphic design base, it's like uh, you're dealing in brand identities, marketing collateral, socials, uh, pitch decks, that stuff's going to get eaten alive by AI, as it should, because what's going to end up happening is the product designers that don't have to deal with that, even though it's fun, and now they put themselves in a position with AI that they can now art direct in large swaths, versus actually getting down into the nitty gritty. It's gonna open up so much more time to do the hard aspect of design. How, coming up with how might we's, customer research, asking questions with uh, your customers like, hey, if you had a magic wand, like what would you change about that experience? Or was there something in there that you were expecting that you didn't see? This, that, and the other. It's also gonna allow them to have more time to go into Mixpanel or their Google Analytics and interpret data and kind of come up with ways to navigate certain flows or onboarding. It's also going to allow them to build more camaraderie with the engineering team or spend a little bit more time working on animations that add a little bit more delight to that CTA, right? So it's going to crack open a lot more time for things that actually matter, that actually move a company towards PMF, you know, versus focusing in on kind of like the soft side of design. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I love it. It's like a cherry on top of the design process to work on like a logo or something. But holy shit, is it not important for your... Like, I always remind founders <laughs> uh, that <laughs> Craigslist was built off of blue URL links and they made 10 billion fucking dollars, right? Not Sorry, I'm not sure if I'm not supposed to swear. Uh, but like... Uh, oh, good. Yeah, It like the market will pull value from your hands, whether you like it or not, but, uh, you have to make it valuable first and I can tell you right now, uh, a brand identity or a fresh looking logo or a CTA that like skips around and like throws confetti cannons at your face. That's just not going to get you to net operating income positive. It's not going to get you to a 30% month over month growth for six months continuous, right? Customer research will looking at your analytics will instrumenting will building camaraderie with your engineering team so that you have a direct reflection from Figma to implementation level. But, um, yeah, I digress.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think I, I'm, you know, if I'm hearing you, it's like the, the hard parts of design are not like you're saying, designing a logo, right? It is, yeah. it is like understanding business requirements and understanding customer needs. Right. And that is a lot harder to, to automate with GPT four.
1: In the startup world. Now, as you get a little bit bigger, like I think we could all agree that we saw Uber and Travis Kalanick like kind of have a brand identity crisis together when he was still at the helm. That's when brand identity really needs a person. Like you're trying to localize certain aspects of your company's messaging, you know, through visuals. Like that stuff is important. You really do need a person at the helm. Um, But for these startups, yeah, like the softer side of design doesn't doesn't matter too much um, as as one might think.
0: What do you think the role of um or even like, you know, what is what is your take on the state of uh, UX I think when it comes to to AI companies today, right? My I think my like probably not that controversial hot take at this point is just like co-pilot interfaces are they have a time and a place, right? And like, personally, I am just right. so tired of, of every AI UX being like, we're gonna put a little chat chat window on the side and you can just like chat with our AI, right?
1: Yeah, it's just like, um, kind of just goes back to these rafters huh? I think for, actually I know for uh, coding, that's probably its most valuable place. You know, to, uh, I think that's like super valuable. But for design, it's, like, quite – for, like, UX specifically, it's – so are you talking about, like, the implementation of the actual product itself into, like, other products? Or are you talking about, like, how AI is is able to, like, do information architecture or something?
0: Yeah. So I I think the the first category, right? So, like, we – there are all these companies now that are – you know, integrating, let's say they're integrating Chat GPT or they're integrating another yeah. model. Um, and I think there is a question of like, how do you, how do you integrate that, right? How do you bring this yeah. new technological capability to your product um, in a, in a way that, that adds value, right? And I think the default, like hammer reaching for a nail is um, we're just going to have this little, this little chat bot, right? Um, I think there are other, yeah. Yeah, the, the GitHub, uh, a GitHub counterpoint is like, we're going to have the, the shadow grayed out text, right? Like for your code, mm-hmm, and then you mm-hmm. can choose to accept mm-hmm. that. Um, I think other interfaces I've seen are like, you can, you highlight something like Notion. It's like, I like highlight this and rewrite it with a different tone. Yeah, right? um, yeah. But, you know, I think we're still very early in the, um, in the UX, just like discovery stage, right? Of like, what does it yeah. actually mean to... To try to incorporate a a large language model into a product
1: i forgot i forgot which movie it was but i was watching uh something recently where it was this scene with uh a man and a woman and they were watching this page load on dial up it was like taking place in like the 90s and the guy it's like it's already been like 10 seconds and the guy turns to the girl and he's like pretty fast, huh? I'm like, <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, like, Whoa, I used to say stuff like that. Versus now we have like gigs worth of like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, bandwidth.
0: Yeah, you YouTube buffers Pop- for two seconds, and you're just like, yeah, and it's like it, right?
1: there, it's like 4k at your face. But, you know, speed definitely plays a role in discovery. You're, the human brain moves at such a clip that if it's not being if you're if if it's not being reflected in real time, your motivation to use that tool is lessened, right? Like, I know that I can make a really well-designed CTA button faster than any one of these these AI you know, co-pilots or whatever. Almost by like a factor of four. Like even sometimes when I'm using Notion AI, which I started to and then I just stop because it's more or less worthless and it's always buggy and it just like, love the Notion team, but like, get the house in order. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, I'll like, I'll ask it to rewrite and it just, uh, it just either sounds like super Spartan or the tone's not there or it just, it's just mediocre, like that's all it is. And so I think that we're right now for probably the next like few years, we're probably gonna, like these companies as they should are more or less just data harvesting, optimizing, making everything just a little bit better, you know?
0: Fair, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. The um, I was gonna ask too, are there uh, any AI companies that, that you guys have worked with um, that you, you know, like just particularly proud of, of the job you guys did, or, or even just the product um, that, that the team has, has put together?
1: I wish I could tell you, but they're, they haven't been released yet. Um, <laughs> so yeah. And well, yeah. And unless it's on the website, we just have like this general of like, we just like, we just don't share, you know, But, um, yeah, if, if you take my word for it, yeah, there's a bunch of cool companies that are up and coming that are doing some pretty novel stuff. Um, and I can tell you in what spaces, uh, so in the space of like, uh, I'll tell you where, where, AI where, where I'm seeing AI, uh, have a massive impact is legal, um, medicine, hiring, um, Uh, Engineering co-pilots, there's a handful of them uh, and they all seem to really genuinely have a different take uh, and they're all pretty noteworthy in their own way. Um, And then there's this kind of like new field that's popping up, which is like workflows that we've been seeing a lot of, like AI workflows, um, or like basically like you enter in the parameters of what you need to have happen. And it's almost like an automated Zapier where it will just tell you, it will either tell you exactly what to do. uh, And depending on how many permissions and how many integrations you've signed into, it will actually build it out for you, which is pretty wild. Um, There's also, there's also a huge, there's also a huge emergence in um, healthcare, but we haven't really had. Um, we really haven't had the privilege of working with too many um, AI-focused healthcare companies. I think that industry is just a bit slow to adopt. But I've seen a few things that are cool.
0: Yeah, I imagine uh, just with the amount of regulation involved in in
1: healthcare, yeah. that it's probably pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, it's a good bet, <laughs> and as it should be. <laughs>
0: Uh, and are you guys using AI internally at Numi to, yeah. to move faster to, you know, to, to be more creative?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Semantic search, LLMs, just straight up GPT-4, uh, tons of API calls happening. Like we, we really do try to not just rapidize it though. We really genuinely want to be thoughtful about how we leverage leverage the technology because just to throw AI in front or behind something or a new feature, it's just, you, you end up actually like making your customer upset and our customers, first and foremost, our designers, you know? And so if we make our designers happy, our customers and users are happy. If their end users are happy, our customers are happy. And then if our customers are happy, we're happy. So, uh, Right now, a lot of the tooling that we're doing is really centered around uh, designers and how to have them run faster. And on the, on the internal side, it is uh, trying, trying to like delicately say this, uh, like mapping, like mapping information points to one another um, as best we can. But we're still very much in the early phases, you know, because we really do want to be thoughtful. We don't want it just to have like, you know, AI in front of it or integrated, it and it's just like it's actually just not not very helpful.
0: <laughs> can you can you you know you don't have to divulge any uh yeah. any trade secrets, but can you say a little bit more about you know this this concept of tooling, right? Because I think one of the things that um, that I found really interesting about Numi was. In Well, there's many things that that sets you apart from a design agency, but like in contrast to design agencies, you guys seem to have um, engineering baked into your DNA, right? And so you're not afraid to just go and actually build your own tools, right, to to get the job done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man, like agency, we we always like kind of cringe at the word agency when like someone's describing us because sure, on the surface, call us whatever you want, but like we know what we are. And what we are is a company that was started by designers for designers. And that may not mean much, but when you look at our competition, all of them were started by people in HR marketing and then they just create these commodified versions of us that ask for the lowest price at the highest quality with the most communication. We just take a different approach, you know, and that approach is how can you lift up the designer through technology? How can you make, how can you remove all the BS from the admin side of what they have to do so that they can get back to designing? It really just all it c- comes down to leveraging tech to remove the BS to make the designer move faster and put them up on a pedestal. It's actually very similar to how Airbnb thinks about its host. You know, put mm. them up on a pedestal and the rest will kind of just like work itself out. Um, and that's what we do. And they build tools for the host. Um, and the byproduct of that are features that, you know, Airbnbers like like us would say.
0: Are there are there any specific examples you can share about tools you've built for for the design community?
1: Well, like. Asking myself in real time, am I going to get in trouble for saying this? I could tell you about like one thing that we're, we were kind of like toying around with. That's okay. nothing novel.
0: We can also like um, um, you. We, yeah. If you want to get back to me, like at you know, in a week or two, and be like, "Can we sure. edit this part out?" That's that's totally sort of fine.
1: <laughs> sure. There's this one thing that we've been fooling around with that would allow you to. You know what? Yeah, I probably actually should not say this because, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. All good. All I'm good. sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, th- I-, I can tell you about some, some other stuff, though, that are like le- less, le- less daring. Um, there, there are a handful of plugins right now on the Figma store that uh, are all run by solopreneur designers. And it is the same thing that I see, unfortunately, time and time again, which is they will get released They will get traction like 20, 30,000 people like within a matter of a week or two, and it will skyrocket to the top of the charts. And then you'll notice over the months or over the years, oh, this hasn't been updated in eight months. Oh, this plugin does not open anymore. You know, and there's a real opportunity. I think there to maybe make a super plugin that is well-maintained and that was made by not a solopreneur designer, but maybe engineers on a team that appreciate design and can lean on the designers on their team to guide a path or to light up something in front of them.
0: Or or even, you know, I think having a, a brand there that is like, building tools like maybe they're not the most unique or they're most cutting edge but they're they're stable right and they're reliable yeah yes like every year right yeah Um, you know i think that there's an interesting parallel i'm thinking about which is um i'm a i'm a django developer first and foremost right and like the django community has an immense amount of libraries and plugins and things like that right um but there's one uh company called Jazz band, which over the years they will—they started by they, they had a couple of their own like libraries, but they've slowly like acquired other um, other open source repositories. Basically, when the the hmm. maintainers, the solopreneurs, are like, I don't have time to like keep up with this anymore, um, and yeah. they're useful, but they're not like world changing libraries. But now they have, I think, like right. a couple dozen of them. Um, and whenever I see like, even actually like a couple of weeks ago, I was I was deciding between a couple and I saw one was, you know, owned by them. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I should just go with that because I know it's going to work and I know it's going to still work in a year, right? Uh, with the yeah. latest version.
1: Yeah. And that's also, you You bring up like open source, like there are a handful of projects. I'm just going to link you in the chat, but like you can open it up. But we work with a handful of uh, open source uh, projects and we do that because right now in the design world, there are not a lot of open source projects happening. You know, we think that, you know, the design discipline, much like, uh, Ikea or target has proven, um, design should be, should be approachable design does not have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be this like, you know, thing that's unattainable, you know, what if, you know, we, it's just starting off making brand identities for, um, you know, some of these, some of these, uh, these languages, but the idea here is tomorrow, it might be, you know, a design system tomorrow. It might be a a plugin that, you know, companies can use to just like automate or press fast forward on the design, design thinking, uh, you know, path. So there's, there's a lot of interest um, in the open source community with new There's a lot of interest in automating the design process, not the designer. And there's a lot of interest in freeing up, freeing up time from the soft side of design so that you have more time to focus on the hard stuff. Yeah. How, do you, I mean, how i mean how how are you seeing it
0: uh i mean i think i think i would probably i think about it less so from design but i do think a lot about um you know the question of will a i replace programmers right um yeah. and i come back to i think the answer depends on um whether demand for software is fixed or not right so mm-hmm. Um, i i am blanking on the term there's a term from economics which is like uh, induced demand that's the term right which is that um if you if you create more supply of something it will actually trigger more demand right so the canonical example mm-hmm. here is a highway right um there's like on mcdonald's uh, <laughs> 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 yeah uh, you know like like on a on a highway that you've got you've got full congestion. So the government's like, let's add another lane, right? And they add another lane and for a couple of months, you know, traffic gets better. But then all the people who previously weren't driving to work see that congestion has gotten better and they're like, oh, I Texas, should drive Florida.
1: now, right? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> LA. it just gets it just gets bad again, right?
0: Um, and so, yeah. you know, through that lens, I think about, okay, if, if AI allows every mom and pop business to effectively have a, full-time software developer in their pocket. Right. Mm. Um, does that, you know, does that one, it will create an immense amount of new software, but, Mm -hmm. um, what does that do to demand for software as a whole? Right. Like if you can Mm -hmm. now just sort of say, Oh my God, like I can get, you know, 90% of what I want out of this thing, but like that other 10%, I still need a person. Right. Um, it might be actually like net more software developers in the world. If, you know, the amount of software demand increases by by more than an order of magnitude, right? Um, and I, I think I go back to what you said about, you know, there, there is a, a cohort of programmers that are in trouble. I think, you know, th- there's no kind of getting around that the, you know, sure. I think about the, the, the journeyman type of programmer or designer, right, where it's like, look, if, if you're just cranking out, like crud apps all day, or if you're just cranking out logos all day, right, you're, you're probably in trouble. Um, but if you are a, a level or two higher at like the, the artisan level, right. At the craftsman, um, then I think there's actually a lot of opportunity, at least in this moment still to incorporate these, these tools into your toolkit. Right. Um,
1: I mean, how would you respond to like that, that freshman, that freshman that wants to get into CS? Like that I has think, no experience, that's reading yeah. all those job applications with like needs four to six years of experience.
0: <laughs> I I think it is still an incredible time to get into programming and software, right? Um, because yeah. one, I think with with tools like GPT-4, the learning curve has flattened dramatically, right? I think about how hard it was to learn to program. And honestly, I think some some programmers probably will see this as a net negative, right? Where they're like, no, you know what? I spent hours debugging like missing semicolons and it is not fair that like the new generation doesn't have to do that. Um, But I see that as a good thing, right? It's like, cool, like how amazing is it that you can just take this error, you can take your code, you can take your error message, you can throw it in the chat GPT and you know, eight times out of 10, it will probably like but yeah. like it will at least give you the right direction to go in right um and right. 8 times out of 10 it'll solve the the problem for you right um and so i think because the learning curve is is so much less steep now it means you can you can get up to speed faster it means you can you can unlock yes. ambition right um like there are projects that i would never have dreamed of starting that i i have done now right so um i think i, I, I may have talked about this before but like I built a I built a Chrome extension for myself which I had never done that and I was just like look I could bash my head into this for like a week or two and figure it out if I want to but I really don't feel like having to dive into like the internals of chrome manifests and you know like like the the engine and the permissions and all that stuff but now I can go to ChatGPT or GitHub Copilot and say, "Cool, we're building a Chrome extension, right? Like, let's let's hammer this thing out. And like, if it doesn't work, cool. I will paste you the error message, and we'll figure it out, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it allows me to like actually attempt to tackle things that I would never have have tried before, right? Yeah. Um, career-wise, you know, I, I think there's there's a lot that's that's fluid, right? But I still do think that um, again, if you can if you can get to a level where um, you're able to command the tool, right? Rather than just be mm. replaced by the tool, right? I think there is, um, yeah. there's still opportunity. And yeah. certainly if you can get to a point where, you know, you, you are helping to train and fine tune and, and you know, deploy these models, right? Um, I, I think there's probably a decent amount of job security there too.
1: Yeah, I think UX writers, uh, there's like this huge opportunity for them if they can see the parallel opportunity to become, prompt designers, you know, um, you know, something that like we have held like a seminar or two on is how to leverage, how to leverage, uh, you know, GPT for, um, you need to care about prompting as a designer in the future, yeah. you must learn, you know, you are an expert or, uh, try your hardest here, or like just these like small little things that we're learning about uh, how to talk to AI, you know, I think we're going to see this like crazy evolution of how AI is thought about in the future. And it's starting with departments, legal marketing, design, sales, whatever. Sales is also, by the way, that was the one other place that, uh, um, AI is really, really taking off, and yeah. um, some of these like phone call companies are like really creepy. <laughs> like, yeah, I see it's Insta ads for them all the time, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" Like, I didn't, I didn't like scroll past this ad. I'm like, actually, like four minutes in listening to a full conversation. Do I sign up? <laughs> but um, so. In the future, I do think that, and I built like a very, 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 very rudimentary model of this. Um, what I did was I took all of our Fireflies, um, transcripts, and then, um, I ingested it into uh, our own model. And then I asked it to, uh, please identify all the moments where clients seemed angry or using uh, oh. like upset words. Um, and it came up with uh, a, a bunch of different places. I then said, okay, now cite it, Cita- like added citation. And then I asked it, okay, please come up given these criteria and I gave it like, we have this budget, it needs to be in this date. here's our, our tech stack, here's what we can do, here's what we cannot do. And I used it as a thought partner that I think is going to be the next evolution of how we interact with some of these models, take it a step further. This is where it gets really tweaked in my mind where you can literally chat to GBT, Hey, I need you to, um, finish. Uh, I need you to onboard this designer. He came in as a lead, um, but uh, um, please provide feedback that the portfolio uh, is a little thin on case studies. You know, it, imagine imagine that 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 one thing encompassed me going to our financial controller, one of our VAs, my time and the designer. And it all happened in one sentence. You know, I think the future of AI is going to be controlling your company at your fingertips. Yeah. Like, it's, it's going to be actually pretty bonkers.
0: And I, I do think, you know, that with, with designers, there's kind of the same analogy. You know, we, we can get to a point where, where you have a, a graphic designer in your pocket, right, for everybody. and yeah. But I think there's still, to your point, you know...
1: And Canva's pretty close to that. Cam is yeah. already pretty close to that, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I think there. I'm re, I love a lot of their AI tools, and I do actually want to play more with them just to figure out what what parts can I automate of, um, just the day to day random stuff that I that I have to make. But um, I think it's interesting also to think about design from um, from the lens of like a status symbol, right? Um, because today, like you think about uh, you think about typefaces. Right and stop me if I'm wrong, but my perception as a non-designer is that you know if a company has a ton of money and they want to make a big splash, they they go out and they're like, we're going to commission a custom hand-kerned typeface, right?
1: Yep. And there's there's no type house in Sweden, and they're like, let's do it, foundry.
0: Right. (laughs) Um, And like so that that jobs, that service still exists, right? And so I think there there will probably be a place, even if a lot of the graphic design stuff gets automated, there will be a place for someone, for a company to be like, we paid a human designer, right, to do all of this by hand, mm-hmm. like in, you know, in Figma, no AI, right? Like, yeah. we've done it.
1: Yeah. Right? You know, I, I don't know, Oh, it was, you know, as Sam Altman, um, he was at, I think he was at like Davos or something, but he was saying like, humans will always be interested in what other humans do. And that really, really resonated with me. There is a certain beauty about um, effort in results out that when you look at an AI, it's like, okay, well, you have like a compute farm, the size of like Saudi Arabia. Like that's not that impressive. Like, (laughs) 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 so um, that's not that impressive, but like uh, Charlie made this um, and he does not have it. Um, He does not have like uh, a GPU farm. So um, that really resonated with me. And I think that isn't intrinsic to like human nature to be curious about what went into something, you know? Yeah. Oftentimes you'll find that like these silent luxury brands um, like Hermes or like, you know, whatever it is, but like, you'll find that these like super high end brands, the way that they make, and even artists, like the way that they make their art, the way that they make their craft, their products, that's actually what you're buying. When you when you buy like a GT, uh, like a Porsche 911 GT3, like, you are not paying for the engine. You can actually make a lot of the stuff that you buy at home if you have the right tools and patience. What you're paying for is the fact that those valves were put in by hand, that the sprockets were aligned by squinting your eye and kind of just looking at it. And it has the same result as if it was laser aligned, right? Like there's all these like little moments where once you discover it, it's like, boom, I just added $25 to the value of this thing. Right.
0: Yeah. The, <laughs> so the, the effort that's is the wild point. To
1: me. Yeah. The effort is the point. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. The effort is the point.
0: Cool. Um, I think that's, that's probably a great place to, to wrap up. Uh, cool. It has been fantastic chatting with you, Harrison. Where can yeah, people find you uh, online, on social, Numi?
1: Yeah, yeah, check out numi.tech. Um, I'm here as a community resource. Um, you know, even if you decide to not work with Numi, uh, hit us up. Like, we'd love to chat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, numi.tech.
0: All right, and yeah, thank you so much for, for joining yeah. today.
1: Yeah, likewise, thanks for having me.